0: Tobias Carlisle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit Acquire'sFunds.com.
1: This week's Acquirers podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Validia. Validia runs quantitative stock selection models using strategies based on academic papers and books with long-term track records of success. You may recognize Validia since two of its founders, Jack Forehand and Justin Carbono, both good friends of mine, have appeared as guests on the podcast. With value stocks showing signs of turning around, Validia offers more than 10 systematic value models backed by long-term research, including strategies based on Joseph Piotrowski's F-score, Ben Graham's defensive investor from The Intelligent Investor, Joel Greenblatt's magic formula, the value composite from Jim O'Shaughnessy's What Works on Wall Street, and many others. Investors can access these strategies through concentrated 10 and 20 stock model portfolios or see how stocks rank based on each model's specific investment criteria. Through the end of March, Validia is offering 33% off an annual subscription to both its standard and professional product listeners of the Acquirer's Podcast. To find out more about Validia or to take a free trial, you can go to validia.com forward slash Toby. Again, that's valide acom com forward slash toby what's up amigos
2: and we're live live. it is i'm your host the boys (laughs) carlisle
0: (laughs) on the arguable investors podcast wait where are we at wait (laughs) where am i
1: joined by bill belichick and uh taylor (laughs)
0: that's Uh, right
2: off to a hot start what's What's happening fellas
1: it's a, a what a wild market so we've had we've had like a little bit of uh, the tech has looked a little bit soft, but wow, it's back! It's back, uh, big and strong today. Tesla's up eighteen percent on the day, markets at like close to all time highs. Arcs having a monster day, so uh, business as usual. Tesla's up
2: eighteen percent.
1: More, I think it was up like nineteen last yeah. time. Oh my!
2: Is it infrastructure week and nobody told me? What do <laughs>
0: That's like a hundred billion dollars of market cap. No,
2: that's that's real money.
0: That used to be before the stimmy.
1: Yeah. Is that what's causing it? Do you think people got their stimmy checks yet?
0: No, I don't think so. I don't know, man. Seems like there's more buyers than sellers today.
1: More buyers than sellers. That'll do it.
0: That's the science.
1: <laughs> this is uh, this is value after hours uh i'm joined sure? as always by jake taylor and uh bill belichick brewster uh what's happening fellas what, what are we going to talk about today
0: billy what do you got i i was going to talk a little bit about portfolio construction um i think it might be a decent topic
2: all right i uh, have uh i kind of took the last couple weeks off you know, mailing in a little bit on the veggie segments, just doing <laughs> recent letters that I liked. But uh, I'm back and I've done some homework and uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about bonsai trees and what they mean for business and investing. Nice. Might be might be good.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to be talking about just my utter confusion about what's going on in the market at the <laughs> moment. Uh, right after this. Do you want to... <laughs> Jake, do you want to take it away? You got, you got some, uh, you got some good veggies there.
2: All right, yeah, we can start off there.
1: Um, so, the crowd wants all, sperm whale out. facts, mate. Sperm whale facts is uh, where we, it's at.
2: We did that already. Go back and re-listen to that. I don't like.
1: I don't redo <laughs> you're, you're, topics. Gotta give people what the give the crowd what they
2: want. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, shout out to John Chu, who's a listener who sent me a really nice write-up on this topic. And uh, I'm basically just gonna steal all of his ideas and pretend that they're my own. So uh, thanks, John, I appreciate it.
0: Um, It's called cloning in value investing circles. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) Hard cloning here. Um, So, you know, Bonsai, you know, it's funny to me like what analogies people use because it sort of, it'll betray your mindset and sort of how you think about things. And there's often a, a kind of a hunter mentality in the investment world. Like i am got to land this whale. I, you know, I'm going to Buffett's bringing out the elephant gun, right? Like there's this, a lot of Hunter and analogies, a lot of Hunter metaphors. And, uh, I think it's probably maybe a disservice actually to, to go that route. I think, uh, I, I think this actually, the bonsai is a little bit more of an interesting analogy and, and mindset to use. Um, and, you know, Gardening, in a way, or farming, is is somewhat similar um, in some of those analogies. But anyway, um, I I never knew this, but like I thought, bonsai was a type of tree, like a species or something. Turns out it's not. It's it's actually more of a of an aesthetic and an approach to managing the growth of a tree, and it can be any kind of tree. So there's there's cedar bonsai. There's uh, I don't know. You can you can trees, bonsai probably. anything. Apparently you can bonsai Can <laughs> you bonsai me, Fokker? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could. So it's, it's in an art form that is – that the, the aim of it is to express this very efficient beauty that brings out the tree. And, and what you're really going for is to create a miniaturized version of what a full-grown tree would look like. So um, – but what's interesting is like you have to also keep this thing alive while you're doing it. So there's a lot of trade-offs as far as um, you know design aesthetic versus actually keeping it alive. Uh, so another thing that's very interesting about it is that like this is a it'll be a fifty-year project to do one of those full like really nice-looking bonsai trees. Like this is almost a it's a life's work uh, to create one of these. So they start out. And I thought what would be fun to do it this way would be, I'm going to go through sort of the the higher points of bonsai and the process of it, and then maybe we can tackle together some of the uh, forced analogies after that. Um, I like it. I like like where this is going. More of a team effort. Yeah. Uh, So the first thing that they, to figure out which seed to start your seedling is apparently you pour hot water over a bunch of seeds and the ones that float you want to throw those away because apparently they don't germinate. Um, and so you take the ones that sink. Uh, I have no idea what the physics is behind that. Why the sink ones, I'm sure our our crack team of uh, researchers in the, (laughs) around the world will tell us the answer eventually. Um, so once you pick out the seeds, you plant them and you have to keep it moist for a really long time. Like, and, and after about a year you have this little sapling that's like, you know, Three or four inches big, and I mean, and you've done almost nothing except for just keep some fertilizer and moisture. Uh, and really, what you're trying to do is encourage the roots to grow, because apparently the roots will only go as far as the moisture is. So if you're only watering kind of the top and it never gets lower, the roots will not dig deeper, deep enough into your pot to to really like create a strong anchor for it. All right. Uh, then next. Uh, comes this phase where you do a lot of thickening of the trunk and you're you're letting it grow more and more until that, that sapling becomes a, you know, much more of sort of a branch that's growing. And in order to do that, you have to allow the, the, the branches that come off of it to. I just want to say real
0: quick. I know there's so many double entendres. I am not mature enough to handle this conversation. (laughs) I just, I just want to throw that out there that I have tried not to laugh, and between moisture and branches and thickening things, I, I don't have it in me. I apologize that I am straight back to second grade. I can't help myself right now. Okay, continue. Uh, I
2: knew, I knew I was teeing it up for you when I was doing this. Uh, so there's a, there's a, a long planning process that goes into the things that you do now today and even the things that you do two years from now will dictate what you'll be able to do with the, the tree five years from now. And a lot of it has to do with like, they use these wires to bend the tree in a, and have it grow in a certain direction. So I don't know if you've seen like a lot of the bonsais kind of have these like, you know, zigzaggy growth patterns. And that's not a normal thing for a tree. Like it wants to just kind of get height as quickly as it can. Uh, and so they'll use wire to kind of bend it and it'll grow for a year to the left. And then they'll, they'll, use wire to make it like grow in the other direction. Uh, and so it's like, but you're crafting it how you want to do it, but you have to think about like, okay, well that's going to be the top of it in 10 years or 50 years. What do I need to do today to, to allow myself the optionality down the line? Um, And then there's a whole thing around like branch management because like, there's a lot of temptation to do something today and like chop off the branch and make it look good. But you will, when you're doing that, you can actually like risk losing the tree because, you know, it's getting a lot of the, you know, like the photosynthesis is happening with the, with the leaves that are there um, or the pine needles. Um, So there's this pressure that you want to do something today immediately. And, Really, you you uh, for every like there's a time for everything in this, and you your overreaction can end up killing your tree, and so you have to be very careful about taking taking actions when it's the appropriate time to do it and being very patient with it. Um, and you kind of have to work in harmony with the tree, uh, so the big decisions are really risk, but like the small maintenance is like continuous like you have to water and fertilize it all the time and so uh and then last thing we'll say is that uh you know you can actually let a branch grow for a lot longer than you would think and then you trim it off and you can start a new tree with that branch okay so we've just laid out probably 10 different sort of uh actions mental models ideas that might be interesting to jump into now the uh the business or investing tortured analogies i don't know what's the first thing that jumps out at you guys
1: let me just before we do that can i just ask what stops them from getting really big how do you keep them small is it because they're in a small pot
2: uh i think it's in a pot yeah and i mean there's only so much I think that it can be built when you have a small amount of foliage to absorb resources nutrients um so I think that limits like why it can't grow to be too big uh and the other thing too is like you there's a lot of uh there's a lot of maintenance in like shaving down the 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 roots and like one for aesthetic reasons and two I think to maybe limit some of the like how how big it gets. Do they
1: grow miniature leaves? Is that, is that, is that what happens?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I think leaves always look the same when they first start out, right? Okay. And then they just the the branch gets bigger. Everything sort of just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, it's I, sort of a fractalness to the to it,
1: right? I think it's a good analogy. And as you were saying, and I was like, this is yeah, this is a good analogy that I need to steal for something at some stage. But the the uh, <laughs> yeah. keeping it. Like the fact that it takes fifty years, and the fact that you have to like nurture it and prune it every day, and decisions impacting down the line. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a. I think it's a. It's a very useful analogy. It makes me want to go and get a bonsai. Actually, It makes me want to grow a bonsai.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, it's a lot of responsibility. Though. I'm not sure that's a, that's a big commitment. It is <laughs> How about you, Bill? Anything jump out to you that other than uh, a bunch of double entendres that were distracting?
0: Uh, yeah, when I was mature enough to think about it, I guess, you know, I've been I uh, I've been struggling to hold on to Disney here a little bit. And I trimmed it a little bit uh, today. Not not a big trim, but a little trim. Um, and, you know, the idea of like letting like not touching something too much and letting it grow. Um, That said, it's grown a lot, so I'm not sure. It reminded me a lot of Never Sell, what you were saying, actually. All that I was thinking about was Never Sell. (laughs) Boy, we
2: hear what we want to hear, don't we?
0: Maybe, yeah, I don't know.
2: No, there is something to that, though, like kind of letting your winners run in a way where letting the tree be a little bushy for the sake of the tree uh longer than maybe you would think so that then you can trim it to be uh, more aesthetically pleasing later um i think that's a big part of it another thing i thought was interesting was (laughs) the uh...
0: toby what did you hear there sir do you do you have a thought we're gonna have to move on to another topic (laughs) 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 (sighs) This has been a winner. I just want to say this is one of my favorite veggie segments yet. <laughs> it's a
2: li- yeah. All right, that's good. So to go back to the big decisions being rare, and a lot of it is just sort of the blocking and tackling of water and fertilizing. Uh, I'm reminded of your terrific conversation that you had with Ian that dropped last week, and um, he's something that struck me that I thought was interesting and that probably goes against the majority of how people practice this. He said he spends 80% of his time researching and learning more about the things he already owns and 20% of the time on looking for new things. And his the argument was that like if it's not in the portfolio, it can't kill you. right? I find that to be very interesting. And to me, like sort of keeping up and being a good owner of these businesses is the watering and fertilizing that you need to do all the time. And occasionally there's big action called for um, I thought that was a nice, nice tie-in.
1: I um, I had another chat to Chris Bloomstrand, and uh, the same thought occurred to me while I was talking to him about Berkshire. Like he's been in Berkshire since two thousand and one, I think he said. I hope I haven't. Like, it might be, it might be nineteen ninety eight, but that that'll be. That's coming up soon. But he like he has such an intimate knowledge of Berkshire that he, and he said he's bought it regularly over the years because it's one of those stocks. It has for the last sort of decade, it's traded pretty cheap and um as a result he's sort of quite familiar with you know when something happens he he understands it really well whereas the market might not so he's able to buy some or sell some or do whatever is appropriate in the in the moment and i did think that would be a you know if you have a handful of bonsai trees that you just keep your eye on that makes life pretty simple run
2: right? yeah what a huge advantage right if you if you have a very solid scale of what to weigh something and you don't have to like you're he's not he's not he's sleeping like a baby when it comes to Berkshire right like he understands exactly the price to value relationship um probably makes the game a hell of a lot easier if you have a few of those
1: yeah which is why he was able to buy it so aggressively last year uh when it got super cheap around this time last year I like the analogy because I like the idea of – we we talk about this a little bit, but like not just being in or out of something, scaling in and scaling out, iterating as you you kind of in it. If you have a handful of things that you know really well, you can do that easily, right? You scale in, scale out. Never really want to get out of them because it's hard to find really good businesses like that. If it's a 50-year business is what I'm talking about. Not everything's a 50-year business, but for 50-year businesses.
2: Yeah. So another, um, Monish had a, a talk that he gave recently to Peking University and he's talking about spawners and that's like his new thing that he's really into. And it's the idea of these companies that grow other businesses inside of them and spin them off or, um, or not and they keep them internal. But the, you know, this idea of letting a branch really grow for a while and then cutting it off and starting a new tree uh, I find to be interesting, and like the you like allowing the tree to be aesthetically not pleasing for a long period of time in order to have that branch later be available to to cut off and and the patience required from the business person who's trying to run a a spawner kind of uh strategy i find to be uh, an interesting idea
1: what's the what's the what? the did you say IAC? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I thought it IAC, IAC, IAC too. So yeah. but what's the what's the what's the thesis for like focusing on things that spin stuff off a lot rather than just keeping it in house? What's the why would that be an advantage over just holding it?
0: Well, you get uh, focus for management business? teams, right? Like IAC, and one of the reasons that they want to spin Vimeo is like Vimeo is an asset that. Uh, you know, probably warrants given where things are trading uh, a little bit more like specific attention and you can start to, um, you can start to like compensate your employees based on that particular stock as opposed to the conglomerate stock. And it just sort of aligns more incentives. And I do think that like when you're talking about, uh, you know, something that's trading at, at least at, uh, certainly not depressed multiples i hope is not a controversial thing to say uh you might want to argue that like you want to recruit the best possible talent to that organization and allow them to be judged on their own merit and not sort of with within what goes on at angie or whatever like that i, th- I think that's that's what they would say
1: can, can you compensate them out of the flows from the business rather than although we've lost bill rather than the uh uh you know performance of the stock
2: sure yeah you can take um i mean that's very
1: unpop that's not a popular thing to do but that's yeah some businesses do that
2: yeah i mean rising markets uh nobody wants cash they want stock right
1: (laughs) you can buy it it's freely traded
2: well uh, exactly that's I think that is actually a pretty compelling argument for sometimes some of these stock option plans are maybe a little misguided.
0: I'd like to point out that it took what 19 minutes for my computer to update. It's a, it's that's a, crazy. The, the camera has fixed your hair, Tim. It's amazing. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Can you still see my boogers? <laughs> Always. All right,
2: so we have anything left on this uh, carcass to pick off before we move on?
0: I think we've,
1: uh, we've bound it in wire and forced it into an unusual shape.
0: Uh, tend- it's why we need to let go for a little while now. I've, I'm not a very yeah. good bonsai <laughs> tree owner. I tinker too much to mess with bonsai trees. I'd kill them all. But
1: in the 80s, they always had like the, the, the executive would like, give it a little spray. That's all you got to do. Just give it a little spray, and then get those little scissors out and cut off a cut off a leaf or something.
2: Yeah,
0: I bet I'd kill it.
1: I, I kind of want to have a go at it. It sounds like fun.
0: You want to do your topic build so I can mix. I don't. I mean, I don't. I guess it kind of actually dovetails with Jake's. Like um,
2: it always does.
0: I haven't. I don't. I don't know about always, always, but today, yeah. Um, you know, I guess that like I was talking to. Uh, to somebody on the Twitter machine about, um, the cigarette stocks and it, it has been, I I haven't really noticed the drawdown, uh, like some other people have, despite the fact that I have some names that are sort of like in the drawdown, for instance, IAC has gotten whacked and like, uh, I mean, naked got a little bit whacked and, there's some other things right, but then I also like in last and deci- in, in March bought uh t g s nopec which has energy exposure um like these cigarette companies have held up um some of the midstream yeah assets what about the pipelines? what do they do they've been okay so i th- I think that's like one of those it's been sort of an a cool time to watch the portfolio work like it's supposed to um in a, you know, this is sort of I do think that when one thing that I'm probably reasonably good at is I really do try to think through, are these bets correlated and what are the actual exposures that I'm taking? And I think that, uh, you know, there. that's not to say, like, if you're a NASDAQ investor, like, go out and do your thing. But I do think that your, your personality type has to be such that you're OK with some of these bigger drawdowns and some of the more volatility um if you've been
2: winning consistently, then you're not diversified. Like and don't kid yeah. yourself.
0: Well yeah, and like honestly, a lot of the I mean, you know, a lot of those guys they're like, all right, whatever, this is a drawdown. Like this is what happens. We're up four X, now we're down twenty percent, and you want to call us a loser? Like, fine. But you know, and I and I totally get that, right? You're still up, what, three point two X. So um you know, it's just I I think that for me, uh, one, I don't have the, the knowledge base to play around in that hyper growth space. And two, I sort of have enjoyed having a portfolio that I've watched absorb blows on one side by catching a bit on the other. And then, you know, today has been, I've, I've underperformed the NASDAQ, but I'm up slightly more than the S and P it's, it's like the, the, uh, the portfolio is doing what it's supposed to do. So it's been kind of a cool time to have it tested and, see how it's performed so i would just you know sort of encourage people to think through like what does dalio say 15 truly non-correlated bets um i mean some of these like trans and disney are clearly correlated but they're um a lot of my bets are not so i don't know how many are non-correlated though because it seems like when everything sells off it all goes to one anyway but it's
2: hard. Yeah, isn't it? I was gonna say, can you even find fifteen things that aren't correlated on planet Earth in the finance world?
0: Well, this is the Bitcoin argument, man.
2: All right, there's one. What, what else you got? <laughs> then you got, then you got equities. You
1: could get some vol. Okay. You can get vol. some.
2: Oh wait, those are correlated.
1: Commodities. Uh, what else you got? Vol commodities. Yeah. yeah, but that would mean you know you got to buy you got to buy stuff that's not working, and that sucks. You got to go and buy you got to buy commodities. I mean, commodities are ripping now, but they weren't for a long time. Vol's been getting, you know, vols up and down, I guess that's what it does. But it's, uh, it has been, you know. It's in the name. <laughs> it's been a right, yeah, that, that's right. But it's been a rough ride. I mean, vol guys were pretty suicidal before March last year. Or long vol guys anyway. I think the short vol guys were, you know, Thanksgiving Day turkeys. But, uh, you know, they they're, they're feeling pretty good, I guess. I guess that shows that it works, The diversification works. Real estate, yeah, VSG's got some suggestions here. Gold, treasuries, real estate, stocks, farmland.
2: I mean, I was being a little glib, but still, I mean, it is hard to... I mean, it's it's hard to untangle how much of what you're doing is just taking interest rate bets and duration bets more than almost anything else.
1: Yeah, there's also the argument to be made... You know, I, I Dalio's talking at a macro level... um you know, when you're putting together a stock portfolio, a stock portfolio is always going to be pretty correlated. But then you've also got the thing like sectors and industries get cheap together. Everything gets cheap at the same time. And you can just pick the one out of the sector or the industry, but there's a possibility that you miss it. Yeah. And a little bit more exposure to it. You know, you get a little bit more concentrated and undervalued sectors or industries. Although that hasn't worked for for a decade or so.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a sucker's bet there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems to me that big tech is cheap, cheapish here, or at least presents decent value. F- I, I would be, rota- F- I would be rotating. That, that yeah, and I mean, rot- I don't know. There's a lot of smart people chirping about Adobe, and I can kind of see that. I can even, I mean, this is going to sound like crazy to people, and I apologize for offending a bunch of value people, but I can even sort of see Tyler here, uh, and that is that trades at a nosebleed valuation, but... It's an incredible business, and like they're about to do an acquisition. They funded it with debt. They're not issuing equity. Like I, I don't know. I could see it working. I I would be long the ineptitude of government. I don't think that that's a really hard thing to be long. And if that trades at a premium multiple, I think it probably deserves to. What's that like? Bitcoin or is that Tyler?
2: I was gonna say you're...
0: no. It's Tyler. They just like <laughs> they they do a lot of the payment stuff for governments. And I was reading Nor- Morningstar writing about him. I mean, I haven't done like deep work, but. The a lot of the government systems are so antiquated that the people that are have been employed to keep them up are now retired, (laughs) and the skill set is not like they're not replacing the skill set. So you do own like a major major arms dealer of software to government, and that I mean like that seems to me to be a decent place to play. So if it trades at a massive multiple, I get it. You're not you buying. Get,
2: some energy you can get company. that same thing at a lower multiple, and it's it's your boy.
0: No, running it. it's not even close. Those guys don't have a clue what they're doing in that space relative to Tyler. They just don't, and they admit it. And if they did, they'd be growing like a weed. Now, can they land that Australian deal? Maybe, yeah. But like you're telling me, Daily Journal, the Daily Journal is going to recruit talent against Tyler. Like that's really the bet you want to come work for us in tech, what's the quality of technician that's or engineer that's going to go work at Daily Journal? Like, at some point, it just doesn't pass the smell test to me. Yeah,
2: I guess it's always a a matter of how much are you paying to make that bet as well.
0: Yeah, but you can't just buy shit and expect it to turn into a flower. Like, you gotta have (laughs) the the players in place, and you can't be like, well, I paid a shit multiple, so maybe if I get a flower out of... You know, conjuring it in my mind because I worship Munger. Like, that's crazy. Munger would tell you that's a terrible bet. He even said I wouldn't buy the stock here. That's his (laughs) words, not mine. It's a bunch Mm -hmm. of, like, I'm not trying to be rude, but, like, they are older men that are, their competence is running a newspaper business that served the legal industry in runoff. And people are making a software bet on it. I mean, that's fine if you want to play that game. But if it doesn't work out, like, don't act like it wasn't kind of telestr Like, or I don't know. Whatever. It's obvious. kind of obvious. Yeah. So if the bet is cheap, yeah, you know, some shitty-ass horse wins a race every once in a while and you get paid out. But how often does that happen? You don't have to back the one that's 100 to 1. You can back the uh, the third or fourth horse at better odds. Yeah, no doubt. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to play in that space. I'm just saying, like, I don't think Daily Journal objectively has a real shot to win in that space. Does it I, have I to just win don't. It, I'm, I'm, I don't know it all, at all well enough. I'm just wondering if it has to win for it to be a worthwhile bet. I mean, I don't think that you can perpetually promise that a contract is coming that never comes. That doesn't sound like winning to me. It's I, been, what, three years I've heard about this Australian deal? Well, the Aussies So like, slow. great, now you implement it, and then like, how, how do you grow it? How does it expand? Where are you going to go into your next adjacency? Meanwhile, Tyler is an acquisition machine that, that Charlie did kind of talk shit about a couple years ago. And uh, here, let's see what their revenues have done since Charlie has said, I wish all of our competitors were them. Let's, let's pull it up. You guys can take the combo from here. <laughs> well, let me... I'm pretty sure they grow at like 17% a year
1: let me uh let me do my topic uh i there's a there's been a quite a big move in the market that techs come off a little bit um you know te- well techs come off quite material it's probably technically in a in a um uh
2: what do you correction
1: it, correction is that is 10 co- is that all it is that's i don't know i would have thought more people than seem a correction. To say that's a correction is 10 right what's 20 percent? that's a crash Bear that's a bear market okay so you don't so we've gone through correction but we're not in a bear for for tech
0: i guess i don't know is that right certain of these names have gotten shellacked man some of them done a lot yeah. But, yeah and if you if you really think about like adobe i mean that's that's sold off i think like 20% or so since i think it's been over 9 months so if you also include the business's growth i mean that's down 25 30% there's
1: there's There are big moves going on under the surface of the market like the market at the moment is basically at all-time highs it's it fell off and then it's had a couple of days rally so it's back to all-time highs and then tech is up you know arc and tesla are up a lot today you know i don't know about arc but tesla's up close to 20 percent on the day which is a big move particularly in a stock that big but then uh there's been this there's been a lot of talk in the the momentum strategies are going to have their biggest turnover in a very long period of time where they they're now going to start picking up some of the uh, fins and some of the energy and so I I just wonder what that you know all of this turmoil under the surface it's sort of not really being reflected in the market at all and I just wonder what that's that's sort of part of my confusion I, I don't know when I look at what's what's been working over the last sort of probably since November it's been small cheap junk, as from what i can see and uh that's that sort of helps some of the stuff that i do and hurts some of the stuff that i do it's not i wouldn't call it a i wouldn't say that value has started ripping just yet
2: how does that work in the <clears throat> with those momentum strategies and they i've heard this argument that's going to turn over soon but is that like isn't there somebody who does the momentum on a slightly shorter time scale that get tries to front run the other person and you just get this sort of like uh
1: red queen effect there are lots of implementations of it uh, it depends on what they look you know they could be looking back 12 months or nine months or six months or three months or some blend of that and turning over portions of the stock they could be doing it on an absolute basis looking at what's up the most they could be doing it on a on a relative you know absolute basis looking back over a fixed period of time relative basis there are so many different implementations of it it's like value there's so many different implementations it's you can't really use it as a monolith you have to kind of look at the detail but it does seem that there's the stocks that are up the most are the ones that are going to be going in which means that they're going to they get continued buying for a little bit longer at least I, it's i think it's a funny market because i've heard some talk about like the reopening trade but when i look at the stocks that are in the reopening trade airlines and cruise lines and things like that like their stock prices might not have fully recovered but they've all taken on so much debt that the evs are way way up enterprise values are way way up and then the load factors are you know still in the toilet and i don't see how if you've got an ev that's higher than it was in march last year or you know pre pre the sell-off and you load factors way down, it's gonna take probably years to recover. I don't see how they can be trading where they are. It just makes no sense to me.
2: You gotta look out really far, probably to get comfortable. Cause not only do you need the economics to return to the business, the, the operational leverage, but you also need to pay off all the people you put in front of you in line to get paid as these debt holders. You have to do something with them as well. So you're looking through multiple levels of cash flow changes to get to where you get paid as the owner of the business.
0: It's th- you better hope another pandemic doesn't come. Well, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know if people have put up with the lockdowns again, but yeah. It was just you know it was a fact of life. Back in you can read um, Casanova's autobiography it talks about you know when you walked from one Italian city to when you went from one Italian city to another, you were in quarantine he very sneakily figured out how to get around it. And he told the bloke who was in charge of quarantine. And he said, that's impossible. And then he showed him how he did it. So quarantine is like, that. that is something that has been with us for a very long period of time. Maybe we just go back to this world where there's quarantine when you fly somewhere, or you travel somewhere. That's a horrible thought. That's kind of what we're in at the moment. And I don't see anybody planning to take that off anytime soon.
0: That would suck. I
1: mean... (laughs) I, I kind of hope it all reopens, but even if it all reopens and everything goes back to normal, I still think that all of those kind of junky names are way, way
0: too expensive. Jesus. Sorry. I don't know why yeah. music just started. Um, yeah, no, I don't understand any of these things. Um, I mean, I do I, I I do kick myself for not buying Spirit. Uh, not the airline, but the fucking fuselage maker that was stupid to me i even wrote it up when it was 20 bucks and now it's 48 good move brewster great fantastic um anyway that's somewhat revisionist history but like i think they're gonna have to spend a fair amount on um like these new they're they're going to make their fleets younger that's like not a, a news story if you follow the airline's so you got some capex coming or at least increased lease costs or lease costs. And if you don't have the increases in the lease costs, they're gonna have longer tenures on the leases. Like you're not getting something for nothing, and you got more debt. It's a consolidated industry, but I I'm not convinced What's not that, to like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Good point. So <clears throat> I find it.
1: I find the whole. I find this sort of all this period very confusing because I can see that there's some run in some of the in the cheaper value names, um, and tech seems to have been a little bit softer. It's just a. It's a weird kind of rotation. It's like there's no there's no real reason why it's happened. It's just sort of started happening, and it's been in the press the last few weeks. I don't know how sustainable it is. It hasn't sustained at any other time. What the tech seller? <laughs> No, the, I, I care less about the off more about the value rally
0: oh yeah I don't I don't know I, I bet I don't see why value wouldn't do okay with the reopening trade I could see well, how, people how
2: many head fakes have you had now Toby in the last 10 years oh, I've 5 out years of,
1: I ran out of fingers so I can't count them but yeah it's that kind of
0: number <laughs> <laughs> this time so-
2: for sure <laughs>
0: just real quick to close the loop on the Tyler thing versus Daily Journal and I'm not trying to take shots at Charlie I love that guy but and Berkshire is a huge position for me so I I bet with them but since 2014 to 2020 Tyler has their gross profit is 2.33x so it's gone from 233 million to 543 million Daily Journal has gone from 37 million to 45 million which is what uh I've got 1.2x, but that doesn't feel... Yeah, I guess it's a little light. That's a little light. Um, But anyway, you know, it's like... I, I think that there's a lot of danger listening to your heroes and just hearing them say something and being like, well, they're right because they're my hero. Because I think the writing has been on the wall for Daily Journal for a while, and I don't think that it is performed. And I have seen a presentation where a guy did really, really good work, and if he's right, he deserves to be right for the right reasons, but... I'm not going to be right with him. It's just not a not a horse I'd bet on. Plus, a lot sure. of it's marketable securities. What happens when Charlie dies? Then you get some random person running a equity portfolio, like, no thank you. Or you could never sell Wells. I mean, if that's the bet you want to make, you could just go buy Wells. I don't know.
2: Big part of it's BYD right now also, which is yeah running a little hot probably,
0: or was at least. Which Charlie was like, I don't even know how to h- hold this, but... I'm not going to sell it, which, you know, I totally get, right? But like, I, I like when Charlie gives an answer that I feel like I could give, right? Like, how do, how do you hold BYD here? Well, I think they're good at what they do. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's your sell methodology? I don't know. Still working on that. I haven't <laughs> yeah,
0: figured it out. Right. Figured that was that like I'll a real get. human moment that I really enjoyed listening to. I was like, all right, cool. Charlie and I are as confused by some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, I was I was happy to hear that he hasn't figured it out either cuz I don't think that I don't think that anybody's figured it out. I think the people who've done the best and never sell. I don't know if that's always yeah. the case, but it certainly feels like that's the case now. I think that, you know, at the bottom of a bear market you kick yourself cuz you didn't sell some stuff, but Yeah. At There's the t- got to
2: be some survivorship bias into that idea as well. I mean, how many people held something all the way down to well, we don't hear from them.
0: This is why I love David Gardner, man. I think he's the the true OG of like never sell. And I think he's actually built for it. I don't know how many people are actually built for it. Well, the way you can do it is just by having smaller
1: positions and then just not worrying about it. Just don't check them. Yeah. I think he
0: adds to the winners too. So, and you know, he just kind of lets the, the small ones die in nothing. And then if they get a pop, he's happy. It's crazy. It's, I mean, it's not crazy. What's crazy is how simple the strategy is how hard it is to actually execute, and how good the results have actually been. That's wild. The real OGs are
2: the robber barons and their entrepreneurial ownership of a few businesses that they never sold. Yeah. That's that's a earlier case study probably that would be helpful. Thinking about your empire. That's well, fair. Berkshire. Rockefeller, Carnegie. Yeah. Berkshire. Vanderbilt. Berkshire. Uh, did you
0: guys see the uh, Tom Gaynor interview? I, I thought that one was pretty good. I haven't. Yeah, it was good. I liked when it. When did that come out? Uh, Sunday on that Good Investing podcast. That guy gets some good guests. He does some good stuff. Um, but I I enjoyed listening to Gaynor. I thought that that was uh, a good interview if people are interested in how Markel thinks. Uh.
1: What do you you think about the the interest rate spike that 10 years been kind of running up? It was off a little bit today, but it was through 1.6 yesterday, I think. It's still like on on a historical basis, it's still squashed. I think the long run average is about 6%. So the low last year was like 50 bips. Yeah, that's at 1.6. And it's still nowhere near. I think it was like three before it got squashed through the pandemic last year. So there's been some argument that that's the cause of all the value getting so beaten up. But then, you know, Cliff Asness had a look at it. couldn't Couldn't sort Cliff Asness's crew couldn't find any correlation. But it does seem to me that it sort of loosely tracks that as it runs up, value seems to run up, I and mean, it runs backwards, value seems to run backwards. So, like just eyeballing the chart, it looks like there's a reasonable association to me. Some I mean, value it makes does
2: better in a rising rate environment, is what you're saying.
1: I mean, the, the, there's probably some limits around the edges to it, but that does seem to be the case.
0: Well, I, mean, I think, like, the the re- but the reason that rates are going up is people think that the economy may run hot. Right. And I guess also inflation or whatever. Um, so I, I guess it, if the reason that rates are going up is because people think that velocity is going to like of the money supply, right, is going to it's going to pick up. I could see how value, which probably tends to pick up more cyclical names, would catch a bit in that environment if that's I mean, actually what's going on
2: is the idea that like it's hard to fail then in a, a that sort of environment. So your shit co doesn't it's like you take bankruptcy risk out for your cyclical shit co and then it, it does better then.
0: I just think it outperforms, right? You get app operating leverage through an industrial and you get margin expansion and I don't know. I mean, I could, I, I, I guess I could see that it, But I don't really know what the composite of value is. I I don't know what the companies are that make up the bottom decile or however it's all broken out. energy and finance at the moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, finance, you know, you would think your loan loss reserves improve if the economy gets better. Energy is going to get more usage, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah,
1: I don't know how much of this is related to I mean, banks banks are particularly sensitive to interest rates, I guess, but I have no idea. Like, they want to spread. That's all they need necessarily. Rather than a directional bet right, yeah the rising rates like I, I looked at the I looked at the ten year before we came on, the ten years off a little bit today, not much, but uh, you know it's been very strong very consistently for the last month or so, and that's co- sort of coincided with a little run in value, and then it backed off today, and all of a sudden you know tech's come back to life, and value's looking a little bit softer today
0: well, it does make sense why tech would do well. If rates go down, I mean that that makes sense to me. Now, like, why Peloton is up fourteen percent? That seems a little a little aggressive to just call call it a rate issue. It's wild that um, it's
1: all it's so pervasive across all of those names. Like, I, you know, Arc's up a huge amount. Tesla, and I guess that Arc's got a holding in Tesla, so that's how that happens. But then there's you know all of those things are up a lot today.
0: Yeah. I mean fourteen percent, that's uh again, that's like uh over three billion dollars. That's almost five billion dollars. That used to be a fair amount of money. Used to be,
1: yeah. Marginal marginal trades to get that up though, what do you think went through? I don't know off the top of my head, but it's just I'd be interested to see how many dollars flowed through that security today. A lot of those names trade an enormous amount. It's astonishing how much gets through Tesla on on a
2: on a daily oh basis. My God. It's like mm. it trades more than spy some days yeah it's obscene i mean when it was really ripping there it was more than 10 percent of the company shares were turning over every single day that's that's a lot
0: i hope it continues if momentum on the up and momentum on the down is the new norm uh you know you could get some rubber bands that unwind present some nice opportunities do you think do you think
1: tepper and uh kathy were doing the rounds on the financial news networks helped or did anything is that, is that the reason?
0: Does yeah, I think people listen those? to Tepper. I, I think Lots people of... listen to Tepper.
1: I mean, Tepper's got the famous balls to the wall. I don't know exactly when that was, but that was like 2000, close to the bottom in 2009, right? Yeah, I
0: mean, Kathy Wood is a bit interesting. I saw Kubico, or, or I think that's how you say his name on the Twitter machine. He He said, like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. That's why she's got a big PR tour tomorrow. <laughs> which i mean if you just like think about it for a second it's not too hard to figure out that she's coming to put out some flames um that's what you would do if you were her yeah i mean you can't you can't not do it that's insane to just like be that media friendly and then put your head in the sand today (sighs) like that's that's not the game I mean, it was a good.
2: It was a. It worked. Especially if you got to yeah. unload some shares. To... <laughs> it was a
1: good call. Yeah. All right, folks. Hit us, here's with your questions. Uh... Yeah, we're, we're at that time. Yeah, test us up a hundred billion
0: today. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of money. That's a solid move. I mean, shit, a hundred billion is like really a lot. How many billions is that?
2: Adjusted for inflation,
0: <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Yeah, shout out to the people sending ideas. Thank you.
1: I saw a question earlier about cash secured puts. Um, I I don't mind it as a strategy. You know, none of this is investment advice. And puts are you can really blow yourself up on puts, but cash secured puts to a size that makes sense. If you would, you know, so you you sell you, you sell them. Um, out of the money at a price that you want to buy a stock, and you get a little bit of um, premium for doing that. And then you, if you get hit, then you've got the advantage of buying that stock where you wanted to buy it, and getting the premium as well. So you bought it a little bit cheaper than you're otherwise going to do it, and you got some cash in the door for the period that you before you put runs out. I, I like it as a strategy. It's not very tax efficient. You pay a lot of tax on the on the premium when it comes in the door, but it does mean that you can um, You can time a little bit. You can move it in. In you can move when it's uh, uh, when the strike is into this year or next year, depending on what you're trying to achieve. So I I don't mind it as a strategy. I I have done it in the past, and I will do it again in the future. I don't do it in
0: the current things that I do because they're equity only. But I like it as a strategy. I guess the thing about the puts is when I have employed it in my own self i i do hear buffett in my ear being like you know it's a lot more important to be right on the business than to be you know right on the next 10 cents of the move or whatever right so i sometimes i wonder if i get a little bit cute when i enter the options world then i just should go ahead and be long or not be in it i think if
1: you've got nothing else to do right and you just sort yeah. of, and there's some stuff that you would
0: buy it's just a long way out you just do but that but dude there's There's an opportunity cost to that capital, right? Because when the world crashes, you're going to incur that obligation. So is that the place that you really want to put your cash if that's the scenario that you're looking for? Like I I just – it makes sense. I just don't know that I like it for me.
1: Well, we'll turn it around then. It's like a behavioral thing that forces you to buy at that price.
0: Yeah. And so you got to think to
1: yourself if in a scenario where the world – where this market goes down 20 or 50%, what what would i want to do in that scenario and then you go through and you make your list and you go and sell, you know, puts mm. where it makes sense
0: and that's uh, an interesting thought you use it as like a forcing function yeah
1: that's that's how I, that's how i have used it in the past i've never been hit on anything but i've pocketed the premium the problem is when i i've spoken to i, I know some people who do it quite a lot i think the problem is that when you actually do get hit on that stuff um, it, or sorry the problem is when it goes down and you don't get hit and in many instances you should have just bought the equity
0: yeah yeah, that's what I kind of like. I, I don't know. Every time that I messed with options, I feel like I probably should have just kept it a little simple. I probably instead of trimming Disney should have sold some calls today. That's that is maybe something that I should have done instead. You bring it in, in cash instead of paying, like incurring a tax obligation, and you sort of like you're deferring it. And if you're okay selling here, then you should be okay selling higher. Like that, I kind of get.
1: Uh. Do I think the current move in value is a value run or a junk run? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more, it's it's three things. It's small, cheap junk that is running at the moment. And uh, to the extent that that touches value, it seems to. But there's also this, I don't know if this is a yeah. little bit too inside baseball, but there's like a, there's a negative momentum element to this as well. For whatever reason, ne- momentum's just inverted itself recently. And so a lot of these things that were sold off have like rallied pretty hard. And that's something that Michael Green has been talking about. I actually think he's right on that. It is more negative momentum
0: than than value. I mean, the other thing is I'm not sure the junk hasn't been priced really high lately. Like there's a lot of junk out there that's caught in a nice bid. Uh, Thankfully, some of the people that manage it are outperforming the index by 56%. So that's good.
1: Do you know what I'm referring to? Sure. Sorry, I was trying. I was trying to find the next
0: question. What a thread! What, what happened? Oh, dude! Uh, just even... just absurdity. Just so tell, it, me... tell me, Toby. If,
2: if you if you perform, if you put up a three point two percent return, oh, yeah, sorry, and the it's... index did a two percent. Would you say that you were fifty six percent outperformance? Uh...
0: Also, wasn't <laughs> it negative two percent? If I read the thread properly,
2: uh, it doesn't matter. It's just a. Just using percentages in an inappropriate way. Yeah, it was awesome. That was funny. It was fantastic. That was funny. But Everyone you know, was pretty merciless on that in Twitter,
0: weren't they? I mean, they just went to town on that one. I think, it, I, think I say his name, Jim Paletta. I love that guy. That guy cracks me up. Although he's come over the top on me in a couple tweets, and I've had to— hit him in his DMs to kind of just sort of smooth the I mean, like Jim, that's not what I was trying to say, man, but he's a, he's a good guy. He came, he came over the top hard on that one. There were some good questions in here. They've
1: just sort of all scrolled past me. Sorry. So <laughs> I missed him. Uh, inflation. I saw, I saw something about inflation. I, I think that the I, last time I looked, which was a few weeks ago, the market looked like it had been, you know, pricing in like, the highest inflation we've seen in a little bit of time i don't know if that's you know what the market expects to happen and what is actually happening under the hood are two different things but it does seem to be it's showing up in stuff like housing has gone absolutely bananas and then anything that's housing related has gone bananas too so lumber's gone nuts too right have you followed I think
0: this that? is all supply chain man you're on the back of a ton of tariffs and one of the biggest global supply chain shocks ever so the idea that like maybe policy and COVID took nine months to materialize is like not that un- unfathomable to me. Right. You got to start all these things again. Like these are high operating leverage businesses and a lot of them just stopped. Yeah. So like, yeah, shit's fucked up. And that's a technical term. But like I think that it's the question is, is it transitory or is it here to stay? And I think that's the hard stuff. And I, I my gut says it's transitory. And I know that people don't want to hear it because all the money printing, but that's how I'd lay the bet. I think I think all the money printing is making everybody have a motivated conclusion rather than think through what's really going on. And I will tell you that I've talked to a couple of people uh, that are in supply chain and it is like really messed up. And I guess part of the problem, too, is I guess like some of the PPE and some of the vaccines coming through the ports and whatever, like it's uh, it's not good. I wouldn't yeah. expect it to go away either. I think supply chain, you're, these this story is going to be here all year. Well, if you think about
2: reconfiguring a world, a global supply chain in a more nationalistic, uh, isolationist kind of world, which may or may not be what we're leaning a little bit more towards, uh, at least having some critical things that you, as a sovereign nation, have to be able to get your hands on, Um whenever you really want it. Of course, that's probably going to be more expensive. It's going to take time to get up and running. It's going to uh, be a painful, messy process to reconfigure the world like that. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of Hail Marys, all of which is, or not Hail Marys, but uh, you need Hail Marys to get to an easy, clean outcome. But all of which should make you say, boy, a lot of uncertainty out there with that kind of thing. We should probably be paying a lower price for that uncertainty.
0: You're not going to get your wish. Um, secondly, I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, the other thing, like the part of the chess game that I really don't understand is we're fresh off four years of being hard on China. Asia has done a whole lot better with COVID than the Western world. Like, is it possible that they're kind of screwing us on supply chain to get back? Like, I don't know. That's not an unfathomable geopolitical game to me i don't think toyota has a ton of problems getting the chips and ford and gm seem to i think some of that was a sourcing issue but Mm. i think there's stuff going on behind the scenes that people may not fully understand myself included
2: put me on that list twice
0: (laughs) yeah i'm one of those people too the uh ben at
1: epsilon theory had uh some charts a few days ago where he was he was showing house prices relative to rents across all of these major metros and it like every single chart looks exactly the same. House prices have just gone vertical, and rents have fallen off a cliff. How, how, does, yeah. something, how does something like that? Is that get...
2: if you're paying the rent?
1: I didn't. I, I couldn't figure out whether that was like asking price, whether that was like um, whatever they call it, actual rent, whatever that whatever that is. But it, I, either way, it sort of it seems to be saying that the people who pay rent are in some you know are paying less rent. Or willing to pay less rent or they can't ask for as much rent however that market resolves itself but the housing has housing's gone absolutely vertical like the divergence is kind of incredible i just don't know how that resolves itself does that i I don't know why there's a divergence like that or how it resolves itself any any bids on that
0: (coughs) i think there's a lot of people that are stupid right now which way buying houses Every way. I think that like people are still living in the middle of a pandemic, and I think that like there's a lot of social proof, and house prices start ripping, and interest rates are low, and then you've got families that are talking about, well, we're not going to be able to afford something. and like, I-, I don't know. I think there's a lot of stupidity right now. I think people should slow down generally.
2: So if you go back to the, I think it was the 2007 Berkshire meeting, and Buffett's talking about the housing bubble. And he's saying that houses should trade based on some rough number. And I think he said, I want to say 10 times, but I might be off on that. The average income for that zip code, that area, that's what supports a housing price. That's the fundamental to probably key off of for how much. So if the average person in that neighborhood earns X, then uh, you should maybe be willing to pay up to 10X for that house. Well- And we had been up to like, I don't know, it was like 30x or something insane at that point. I'm directionally correct and probably off specific numbers. But um, so if you think about reconfiguring our entire kind of labor force in a way where people want more space, they don't want to be in a city as much and they don't have to 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 earn that city wage, it kind of makes sense to me then that the the suburbs and other like outside of major cities would be bid up because you have a better supported average income potentially for that area now whether that's been taken too far is is another question but there is some kind of kernel of of logic to that
1: i just pulled up when i was before i came on i just pulled up for my area and like everything's under contract everything that's listed on zillow is under contract or virtually everything Listed on Zillow <laughs> is under contract. People are
0: aggressive at the moment. Like the stuff, yeah, it's, it's been on for five nuts. days. It's under contract, which is, you know. My, my mom's in Arizona, man. She's having to knock on doors of unlisted homes and she's losing bids on some of them. It's There's nuts stuff going on. People do need to take a chill pill.
1: What is it? Is it just that there's not that much? There's, there's not clearly there's not much inventory out there because who wants to move and show their house in the middle of a pandemic, right? You're only doing that if you've got to move for for work or for some other reason, or you just have to get out of the city, I guess.
0: Yeah, and two, like I mean, I'm talking about building this thing. I'm not in a real hurry. Like with all the with all the raw material prices where they are, I mean, I got to fade the rent while I'm you know not or while I'm not building, so it it can't go on in perpetuity. But I'd like to wait till. You know q2 q3 to see how it all settles do you
1: think it's resolved by then like the does the i, th- I thought i saw probably the, not i'm probably just gonna get screwed i thought that lumber had the, the move in
0: lumber had been like an 8x move or something like that yeah yeah it was nuts i i don't know that it was 8x i know it tripled in in uh Three, well yeah. yeah tripled in q3 i think right or maybe it was i think yeah. so i think i saw someone
1: saying from this
0: time last year to
1: this time this year i think that was the that was the move
0: Oh well, that makes wow. sense. But nobody really was buying think. lumber in March. That, well, that probably makes sense too. Yeah. So you're low ticking. They, they might. They might have done that. Yeah.
1: I think. Yeah. I think to be fair, that was. The, I looked at the huge housing. shark
0: crime loser. I called you out in two seconds. <laughs> I, I think that the same thing might have happened <laughs> with you, those the house house
1: prices because uh, I think that they based it to 2012, which I think was like there was a there was a bottom in 2010, and there was a bottom in 2012, and since then it's been like a vertical run.
0: Yeah.
2: What What if uh, this was all the market front running the housing market front running student loan debt jubilee. Market's
0: Could you imagine very smart
2: market might be smarter than all of us put together.
0: Well then you gotta pay high prices.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, you just you kinda have to unanchor maybe the original uh fundamental there if you're going to allow debt to completely disappear. All right amigos. Oof. That's uh that's full
1: time. That was fun. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. Last
0: words for us. I had a us? reasonable amount of enjoyment out of this. Thank you guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>
0: Cheers. Like, we do it.